3: Welcome to the Falcons football party, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else, but right here on Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis, Aaron Freeman, and Tori McElhaney. So it is time to get the party started. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed so visit fanduel.com slash lock on to get started and speaking of getting started i don't know if we're getting a party started i don't know if we're getting overreaction monday started you guys are about to tell the tale of exactly what this is going to be right so this is our top three with jd free and tori so let's go into it guys about your takeaways from the game jarvis give us the first of the takeaways
0: I think the overall takeaway for me is the fact that I felt like the defense played well enough to win on the road. When you talk about going into – uh, a Rockets environment, and the Lions coming off a loss. You know they're going to be amped up, and, and that's exactly how it played out. And for the Falcons, you know, obviously had a little um, issue with, you know, Jared Goff having time to throw the football in the first half of the game. I really felt like they turned that up in the second half. You started to see him kind of get a little flustered and look like the Jared Goff that was traded away from the Rams because they felt like they could, couldn't get him over the top to win the Super Bowl. And so it, it just – for me, they just didn't put they just didn't finish, right? They didn't put them on the ground. They didn't officially put them on the ground. So you end up, so you see the zero sacks and you say, Oh man, they didn't get to the quarterback. But if you look in the second half of that game, you say, okay, all right, Grady, Jared, David, on your model start working together. You start seeing some of the stunts. They start moving around a little bit, making those offensive linemen move their feet a, l- a little bit more so than they did in the first half. And you just start to say, okay. All right, you see the capabilities there uh, on the interior. You just, you know, think that you look at a guy like Bud Dupree taking advantage of a uh, third or fourth string tackle at, the, at that point. <laughs> you know, they lined them up over there and trying to take advantage of that. So I think that to give up only 20 points to a team that is more than capable of putting up 30 points on any given basis, have one of the hottest offensive coordinators in the NFL last year, Ben Johnson. I think that they played well enough to win and it's just unfortunate that the the Falcons weren't able, on offense, weren't able to take advantage of that.
4: I agree, Jarvis. There was a lot of three and outs and you you gave your offense a lot of opportunities to take advantage of all those defensive stops and you just didn't see the offense do their job.
5: Yeah. I mean, even Arthur Smith said that and he made the comment on Monday, you know, looking back on the game, he's like, you know, our defense, and he made a comment where he was like, we have a lot of salty vets on defense. And I loved that term because I definitely feel that when they're playing. And he's like, we had chance after chance after chance, especially in that third quarter where the defense gave the ball back to your offense four times. Mm -hmm. And and you don't do anything with that. You get no points out of that. And that's what hurts. And I, I think like, that's what Jarvis you're talking about. You know, no sack numbers weren't there, but I think they had nine or 10 QB hits. So even yes. though the sack number wasn't there, yeah. there were they were getting after Jared Goff, and a lot of those did come in the second half yes. in comparison to all the time they had in the first half. So I, I think that what you're seeing is this defense continues to show up over and over again over these first three games.
3: Yeah, and just to p- piggyback on that, I think that in the league where a team – is scoring 70 points.
0: (laughs) Let's see another team scoring 41.
3: If you can hold a team to 20 with a high octane offense, then that's a good thing. That's a winnable game because I'll be honest, Tori, I was telling Jarvis and Aaron this last night when we did postcast, I thought this was going to be a 20 to 17 game or 24 to 17 and the Falcons could have been on either side of it because as long as they could hold down the Lions offense and keep them from just going berserk, they had a chance. So yeah, it is disappointing that the defense did their jobs in holding them to essentially under three touchdowns, three you know touchdown scores and you couldn't make anything matter. And then J- uh, Jesse Bates, the energy that came out of that interception. Like you gotta take it, and you gotta you gotta do something with it, right? And we don't mean you know pinning the other team in in deep in its territory. We don't mean a field goal. We mean a score. Like you gotta get in the red zone, and you gotta make something happen when that guy keeps doing the things that he's been doing in all the games, but especially Tori in this one.
5: Yeah, well, it's funny that you know you talk about. I, I even joked during the game. I was like, at one point this game should have been 6-3. to three. If you take away that 45-yard touchdown pass from Jared Goff to, yes. to uh, Sam the Port- LaPorta, yep. mm-hmm. if you take that away, the busted coverage away, yeah. there, we, we were going it's into a probably a third quarter, fourth quarter without a touchdown. So yeah. I, I think you also have to have that perspective, too, that it was mm-hmm. like one – one miscue led to a 45 yard explosive touchdown mm-hmm. without that we're talking about a different defensive performance as well so yes all of these things i think build off of each other
3: yeah definitely I, I would agree yeah it's just it's one of those where you know you just kind of saw that it was almost like a slow burn unraveling if i might say so Aaron, what is your second top three of the top three give, takeaways
4: Yeah, talking about the offensive struggles, it's all about the early down struggles, right? The Falcons could not run the ball. They've been very consistent running the football on early downs. That's been sort of their uh, identity over the last year, and they've been very successful doing that. And kudos goes to the Lions defense. They, They shut down the run, and that forced the Falcons to have to throw the ball in a lot of those early down situations to try to get something going offensively. And they did not do well in those situations. Giving up three sacks on first downs—that's basically going to get you way behind the chains. You know, you're expected. You know, when you're running the football, like this team in the past on first and ten, you're you're going to get four or five yards a pop running the football. But now you you have like three first downs where you get a sack, and you're going into like second and seventeen. And the fact that the Falcons. We're giving up those sacks, even in situations where they were going like max protect with like seven and eight blockers sort of speaks to just, you know, frankly, the offensive line got their butts kicked in this game. And that's going to be a challenge for this team. If they can get that back on track, I think, you know, this will be sort of a one off sort of blip for this football team. But there's just no way that this team is really built to play from behind, you know, the chains like they were in this game.
5: Yeah, I think majority of offenses probably feel that way, too. You know, every everybody right. wants to exactly, yeah. to to make some progress on first and second down. But I think, too, like going off of the, the whole idea of the run game kind of not necessarily being there for, for the Falcons, it, it was interesting because I think it was Arthur Smith who said that for the first time in a long time, it felt like the Falcons didn't counter. And I felt like that was such an important way to put It Because we think about all last year, and I know this is a different team, completely restructured. I mean, they've brought in so many different pieces. But you think about all last year, when nothing was working, the run game was working. Yes. Mm -hmm. We can't say that was working for them in Detroit. And we saw what happened when you didn't have – Won the run game, but you also didn't have some of the stuff that normally the the run game kind of opens up for you, and the things that are r- working off of the run game. Those things weren't working either. So now you're just in obvious passing situations. Yeah, and Desmond Ritter is getting blown up in the backfield within less than two seconds of getting the ball into his hands. And so all overall, it was just you just needed more from this offense, and and you never saw them pivot. You never saw them counter to to kind of make amends for those early down losses because that's what they were there were so many early down losses because you're exactly right Aaron and
0: and, and the, the interesting thing to me about this game is the fact that even with all of those early down losses there still were opportunities early in that game I go back go back to what it was in they were, when they were on their own 15 yard line it was second and 7 and that play action to Kyle Pitts all he had to do was just put it on him. And he still had an opportunity to, for a chunk play. And, and it was just, even he had time and he was sitting in, the, sitting in the pocket and he had plenty of time to make the throw and he just couldn't make it. And it gave me eerie feels. Like, like his jersey number changed from a 9 to a 1. To a 1. I already do. It, it started. And I felt like Kyle Pitts, the way he was running, he was just like, all right, here we go again. And we know that more not saying that, you know, Kyle Pitts was hot-dogging it, but, like, it it, it says something from a mental standpoint when your tight end knows that he doesn't have a chance to catch the football when a certain quarterback was throwing the football. And that's what happened with with One. And you notice I'm not I'm not gonna say his name, but you know, but when you just don't want him to get back into that mental space with the guy who's at quarterback now, Desmond Ritter. So that's one thing that I thought that was really interesting. I'm just like, all right, y'all. You even though the offensive line played terribly, like Aaron said, there still was some opportunities there that they could have taken advantage of and then they didn't. Tori, what's your third, our third takeaway of the day?
5: Yeah, so I'm going to kind of move this forward a little bit because in the locker room, when you're talking to guys after a loss like that, a lot of times what they say, I I hold a lot of weight to because it's like, okay, how are you going to respond to being shut out offensively? It was 20 to 6. You never got in the end zone. How is this offense going to respond to that? And I think it was really interesting because Drake London said something that I think is going to be it, – it has the potential to be a catalyst for this team kind of turning a corner moving forward. And he said, honestly, we got punched in the face today. And then talking to Bajon Robinson, he was like, yeah, that's what it feels like. And we can't let this be a setback for what we want to do in moving forward. So to me, like that's where this game leaves us. You saw what happened. It wasn't what you wanted. How do you take what happened – This past Sunday in Detroit and make sure that you rectify it moving forward, because the issues that we've seen over the first three weeks, nothing, no issues that we saw against Detroit were issues that just surprised us. They were still issues in the first two games, but against Carolina and against Green Bay, they found a way to to get the win that didn't happen against Detroit. So what do you do moving forward to fix the things that need fixing over the first three games?
3: Yeah, and we'll talk more about that in the deep dive where we talk about what our concerns are, but also what the areas are where we're confident. But first, Jarvis, we know you got a little something to say.
0: Folks, let me take some time out to tell you about FanDuel. Guess what? The football season is off to an amazing start. Well, the Falcons, not necessarily. You know, they're two and one right now, so they're trying to figure this bad boy out. But what I need you to do, I need you to go to FanDuel.com because it is the number one sports book in America. So guess what? Right now, we are offering... New customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, what? Oh, my gosh, five to get 200? That is an easy decision. Do the math on that, y'all. Five bucks is going to get you $200 when you place a $5 bet. Win or lose, you're going to get into bonus bets. What are bonus bets? Bonus bets is what you can use to apply to play, uh, being on the spreads, the player props, uh, over-unders, and much, much more. Guess what, guys? You're talking about, you know, all the people stealing all your information. You don't got to... Worry about that with FanDuel. They got you covered. You don't have to worry about that. Safe, secure, super easy to use. So here's what I want you to do. Go to FanDuel.com and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL.
3: So, Aaron, Jarvis sounded pretty confident about FanDuel, but I wonder who or what group he's confident about as far as the Falcons go, what group he's concerned about. But first, I want to hear about the groups, Aaron, that you are confident about. Who are you concerned about?
4: Well, as Jarvis said, I'm I'm pretty confident about the Falcons' defense overall, and the pass rush, I thought, took steps this week. They were relying a lot more on trying to get pressure with four. They were able to get pressure with four. That was something that I didn't really see in the first two games, that they had to rely a lot on blitzing. And I don't know if that's particularly sustainable, unless you're Wink Martindale, the Giants defensive coordinator. He's just going to blitz every single time. But yeah. I think for the Falcons, <laughs> ultimately for them defensively, they have to try to get pressure with four. That's going to be their best path to success. So I'm, I'm more confident in the pass rush today than I was a week ago i'm still concerned about the offensive line um as we talked about earlier they just you know Tori's talking about getting punched in the mouth it's like yeah and they've been getting punched in the mouth the first two games as well but as Tori said like they were able to figure it out in the end in order to make the plays that they needed to to win those games and they just didn't do it this week and it just they just kept getting punched in the mouth and it was like you know someone throw in the towel at at some point, you know, when it comes to, if you're using the boxing analogy.
5: It's hard to kind of like look at the fact that this is a Detroit defense that had one sack coming into this game and they leave this game with seven. And it's that, that's a, that's an issue. It just is. You cannot be giving that up. And Aaron, like what you're saying a lot, there were a, a few of those that happened on first down. So when I was going back and kind of looking at these seven sacks, you know, All of them kind of have different elements to them, but Mm -hmm. something that I think even Arthur Smith was saying, you know, three were on play action. One was kind of an overcorrection of one of the offensive linemen trying to like make up for the fact that on the last play, it didn't work. Something that we're trying to do didn't work. Two were on quick hits on the rush that guys just blew up their one-on-one. And uh, there were a few times where, Desmond Ritter gets the ball, he's turning around, and boom, there's someone in his face. He just didn't have any time. And that was similar to kind of what was happening against Carolina with Brian Burns. There was only one sack that I think you could really give to Desmond Ritter as as being kind of like, you held the ball too long. Like, you got to get the ball out in that situation. But that was one of seven, potentially. And and that's just me, kind of my perspective of it. So that has to be... Fixed. We talked about recti- rectifying things. That's something that has to be rectified. This is a, an issue. Pass protection has been something we've been talking about for two years now. So what is it going to take to get to that next step in protection and making sure that this isn't a one dimensional offense? Yeah.
0: If my And I'll add to that concern because here's the thing, like I, going back and looking at like, like you said, Tori, looking at some of those sacks, like the one that just really stood out to me was the fact the one. Uh, well Hughes ended up getting it but um uh, uh Hutch I like to refer, affectionately refer to him as Hutch because I really enjoy watching him play football um Aiden Hutchinson had come come down inside and birds Run kind of giving up his inside a little bit and Hutchins when they was kind of jumped down in there and they kind of flushed uh Desmond Ritter to um Hughes for uh, to get the sack but before that though this was they, this is my biggest concern like they literally chipped him on the play. Because Lewis Smith was lined up in line, had his hand down in the dirt. He literally gave him a nice chip. But Caleb McGarry, sitting there back there, basically took a play off, essentially, and, and didn't try to get his hands on him at whatsoever. And that's what eventually flushed Desmond Ritter to right to Hughes because... Caleb McGarrett didn't try to engage him at all. And I think that like it's almost kind of like in your mind, like as an officer lineman, you're basically taking the playoff because, oh yeah, he got I, I know John Lewis Smith is right there. He knows he's coming down and, and getting getting a chip on him. And if he if he's actually engaged, I feel like Desmond Riddle will at least been able to get outside of that pocket a little bit because he had even though it was third and long, he still had, you know, Bijan Robinson right there, and he had John O. Smith who had released, in, released out into the flat. So those are some of the things that, that makes me even more concerned because, like, how do you correct that? <laughs> like, like, as an offensive line, you don't understand that once that chip comes, then that's when you engage because, like, the, you slow the you chip, you slow, it's done to be able to slow the rush down. Because you have issues with people coming off the edge like that. And if you not, aren't actively trying to engage this dude once he's chipped, then you're in trouble. And, 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 and my thing is, T, I'm um, I'm Tori Star, excuse me. I like refer to Tanitra as T. Tori, <laughs> Tori, that's why I feel like, do they even have a counter? Yeah. Like, do you yeah. even have a counter to this situation? Because we- like guys like Caitlin McGarry has struggled yeah. in the past pro since he stepped foot in the door. Yes. And they paid him and it still looks the same. And right. that's worse to me for you to essentially give up a sack to a dude who got chipped and it was a good chip. It wasn't like, it, it, yeah, that's 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 my biggest concern. Like that is my biggest concern. Like, okay, how can you fix this dude? Can't you can't fix, you can't fix. I ain't gonna say it. you can't fix that it's hard to fix that or correct that like so how do you do that do you do it more because it's not like you just got beat one-on-one we've seen that before but for you to be able to chip like he did and you not try to actively engage that dude once he was chipped once he got slowed down because that's the those fast edge rushes what you struggle with it's like how can you correct the correction
4: (laughs) yeah Jarvis I think that's speaks to so much of what the falcons couldn't do on on sunday against the lions it was just like you know going back to earlier max protect you got eight guys blocking the whole point of max protect is to not let anybody get pressure and you're giving up sacks in two seconds you're chipping and it's like the whole point is to slow down and it's just like they just could not get right on sunday and so like i you know, we'll talk about it later in terms of what they got next, but like, I don't expect the Falcons to execute as poorly as they did on Sunday against the lions moving forward. I just yeah. talking to Tori, uh, what Tori said, like they got punched in the mouth and it's like, they're, they just sort of stood there and took it. And like, I, that, that is not the sort of identity that I've seen from this team consistently. So I, I think they'll get it solved, but we'll, we'll have to sort of see.
5: It's interesting too, because I think like this, this also talks to like, I'm not. I don't think that yesterday or Sunday's performance, because they didn't run the ball, because they had issues running the ball. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like not confident in this run game moving forward. I still think this is absolutely a strength of this team. I do think it's an identity Mm -hmm. of this team. And something that I thought was so interesting was in the locker room post game when you when Aiden Hutchinson says that this game did not go the way that I thought it was going to go. We thought that the Falcons were going to run the ball and go back to the run in the second half and we thought that that's what they were going to do because that's their bread and butter and that's their foundation and he he's literally saying that didn't happen and so we made things happen in our pass rush and and able to kind of keep them on their heels a little bit when Aiden Hutchinson says that like that immediately puts up a, a a flag in my my mind to be like the Falcons it felt like they got away from what they do best yeah, and we know we know that's running the ball. And so I don't think long-term that the the staple or the standard is, is this Detroit game. I actually right. think that this is a situation where it's like, we know how much better we can be. Let's go out and actually do that.
3: Yeah, and it was concerning because you look at a Lions defense that's 18th in the league. They're just middling when it comes to run defense, but they looked like the San Francisco 49ers who are at the top of the food chain. I mean, it really looked like that. But I agree with you. I think for me, I'm still confident in the running game that it's going to do what it needs to do. It'll reset itself, and that will be the reset for the Falcons. However, what concerned me slightly was, what if Jacksonville actually gets ahead of, Things like, you know, they actually get a sizable lead, Calvin Ridley, but they actually get a sizable lead. They reset themselves from some of their challenges. And then the Falcons find themselves in a position that's even more kind of egregious than what we saw Sunday. Right. And so my concern would be how does I thought Ryan Nielsen did a fine job of resetting. The defense. I don't feel like Arthur Smith and and Dave are going to reset that offense as well. So that would be my concern if you get down and you're going to halftime, how quickly and how effectively can you reset so that your run game can actually get some traction? Because we all know, oftentimes a run game doesn't get the traction it needs in that first half, but that second half, there's a reset and slowly but surely that run game comes up. Real quick, Tori, um, do you, any other like concerns that you want to share, anything you're confident in that we didn't talk about? Yeah,
5: so a, a concern of mine, just kind of knowing from talking to Arthur Smith on Monday, it really does seem that Troy Anderson, the injury that he sustained at the end of the the game is going to be more significant than I think maybe anyone originally thought. Arthur Smith said the prognosis does not look good at all. He wouldn't say anything officially, whether or not Mm -hmm. Troy Anderson is going to be out for the season, but he he just kept saying it didn't look good. And for Arthur Smith to say that when there hasn't been official... word that that concerns me now what does that mean for this position group this inside linebacker position group moving forward I think Nate Landman did a good job against Green Bay when Troy Anderson so was in good. concussion, concussion protocol I think he really stepped up and played really well I was he was one of the a, a key surprise for me Um so I think you're in a good spot there but I wouldn't be surprised if moving forward we don't see the Falcons may be working out some guys. Seeing, especially if this is a long-term thing for Troy yeah. Anderson to miss a significant amount of time, that that's a concern for me. What does the long-term health of this position group look like without Troy Anderson in it?
3: Yeah, yeah and listen,
0: true, yeah, to was, our say-
5: ears.
3: If you want to chime in, and I know we got we got so much that we want to talk about, but we got to move on. If there is an everydayer who wants to chime in, there's a really cool way for you to do that, especially with Jarvis, and it's called subtext.
0: So, yeah, guys, if you want to be part of the cool kids, how about you guys join that subtext? Like, you know what I'm saying? Stop being lame for any life. Like, there's no reason to be lame. Go and join the cool kids. Become part of the subtext group and make sure you hit that link. is in the description. So, yeah, so you can... You know, get this party started. So, yeah, continue the party after the party on the Falcons football party.
3: All right, guys, got a little rapid fire for you. In terms of who got next, we know the Falcons got next with the Jacksonville Jaguars across the pond. The Lions kind of put a blueprint together on how you can stop the run. Do the Jaguars, however, have the guns to do it?
4: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I did not believe in the Lions' run defense based off of the first two games. Yeah. And Jacksonville's run defense has been similar to that. You know, like, yeah, the mm-hmm. so it's like... Maybe, you know, and the Lions proved it. So I think they do. But again, we haven't really seen anybody other than the Lions really stop this run attack. So I still have confidence that the Falcons will get back to reestablishing the run. But maybe, maybe Jacksonville does have what it takes because we know they're going to be focused on it
5: my thing is it's going to be more about the falcons than it's going to be about jacksonville the falcons come out and say that we're running the dang ball they're going to run the dang ball they have shown time and time again that they can i think that jacksonville has some good key pieces on defense but i think if the falcons take ownership of that then it's on their shoulders to to do it
0: And and, and I just think about, like, who's lining up on the other side of the football for the Falcons, right? Like, I think about a guy like Trayvon Walker. Not necessarily a sack guy, but he's disruptive. So guys like that who are normally disruptive, you know, and up and down the defensive line like that, those are guys that, you know, you need to be concerned about in the run game. So... Is Kalen McGarry going to be able to get uh, from an outside zone standpoint, get, get be able to cut him off like that when Bijan Robinson is trying to get outside? Or is Jake Matthews going to be able to you know, be able to cut him off if they're trying to run that outside zone? Or if Desmond Ritter going to be able to see, okay, they got numbers on this side, so I might need to do a check and uh, flip the play to the other side. You know, it's just those little different things that I feel like it's going to, this this is going to be the answer to this question because are they going to be able to fine tune some of those things like we talked about the corrections not necessarily talking about that I'm talking about fine tuning things there are some how can we get ourselves to put ourselves in an advantage and I think that that starts with identifying the guys who are can can erupt that running game uh, specifically and, and and making sure you are getting those guys blocked, and I think that they can. I think they can do it because I I, I trust Arthur Smith. Like I really like what he does on, on Sundays at one o'clock, and I think that he's gonna be able to do this. Not this Sunday. It's gonna be a little early. It's gonna be a little early. Probably get up a little early to uh, to get this thing figured out. But we're gonna be checking it out, and I definitely think that uh, Arthur Smith is gonna to try to get this thing figured out for sure.
3: Yeah, and I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have the guns to do. it. we, of course, know one of the guns in Foye Oluwakan as well as Trayvon Walker, and they can get it done. But I think you guys are on to something. There's a level of pride that I feel like the Falcons have that's going to put them back, going to reset and say, not again. We're not letting this happen two weeks in a row. Now, if it happens six, seven weeks down the road, hey. Fine. Happens to all the teams in the NFL. They have off weeks. Right. But I don't think this Falcon squad and it's something, Tori, that you mentioned how we talked about last year, the year before. And for Jarvis, probably a lifetime since he's seen a real pass rush. But the one you saw yesterday makes you confident that that it's here to stay. Right. And so you just want to make sure that this doesn't become that the Falcons we saw on all sides of the ball first and second game, but particularly the offensive side of the ball, they show up. And even in special teams, that Youngwei Ku shows up like the Ku that we know he can be, then yeah, it doesn't matter if the Jaguars have the guns or not. I don't think the Falcons allow them to use those guns. Now, I think we're all committed to, it sounds like we're in agreement when we're talking about resetting or regressing. It sounds like to me, we all believe that the Falcons are really going to reset. So let me ask you this question. If indeed they're not going to regress and lose to the Jaguars, but we think they're going to reset and win and beat the Jaguars. Who's that next guy for you who needs to step up and make it happen?
4: For me, it's uh, Jeff Okuda, right? I was happy to see him out there for the first time last week. We know Calvin Ridley can do Calvin Ridley things. We know Trevor Lawrence likes to throw him the football. Um, It's not to say that he's the only receiver that Jacksonville has, but, you know, on the outside, it's going to be A.J. Terrell. We know A.J. Terrell is good, right? We've seen that for three years now. We don't know if Jeff Okuda is good. We think he can be good. And what we saw on Sunday, I thought, was very promising, but we're going to definitely need him to step up. And if he does, and I think this defense can take even a, a bigger step
0: forward and become legitimately one of the better ones in the league. I'm going with Desmond Reuter because I like you say, I know you were under siege, sir, but you had opportunities. You had some opportunities. There were a couple of them that you could have set the tone in the beginning of the game. Like, you could, if you would have connected on that, that that pass to Kyle Pitts or if you would have connected on that pass to Drake London after the interception by Jesse Bates, that could have been game-changing type of stuff and we would have been talking about you in the same light like we were talking about you against the Packers. Like, yeah, because at the end of the day, if you are able to make those throws like you did in the fourth quarter against the Packers, like you did in the second half against the Carolina Panthers, like, we're going to believe that, like, because yeah. at 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 some point you're going to have to say, hey, this is a trend. It's not a it's not a trend. This is what you this is who you are. And I think that people will be able to put up with you if they say, you know what, it might not be pretty to start the game, but we right. know what we're going to get in the fourth quarter.
5: Yeah, for me, it's uh, definitely just not a person. It's the offensive line. We've talked mm-hmm. this entire show about the offensive line and, and and what we need to see from them moving forward. Chris Lindstrom after the game said, look, I haven't watched the film, but I, I know that we as a group need to be better. And I know there needs to be more from us. And so moving forward into Jacksonville, we talk about this Falcons team igniting themselves They, in order to be a better offensively that starts up front. It starts on the line of scrimmage. Arthur Smith has said that time and time again, we want to dictate the line of scrimmage. The people who do that are the five guys up front. So, so let's see how they can take kind of, you know, we talk about punch in the face against Detroit. How did they change it going to Jacksonville or playing Jacksonville in London?
3: Yeah, and we've talked about the front seven, but I want to break them up just a little bit more. And what I want to see or who I want to see step up. I'm just going to give it to a group, the linebackers, because Grady Jarrett did what he was supposed to do. David Onyemata did what he was supposed to do there. I mean, up front, we're fine. Right. But. That edge, where is that? Where are those linebackers? I want to hear more of those names. I want to hear some AK. I want to hear more low Carter. I want to see He's them.
5: <laughs>
0: exactly,
5: exactly. Because we numbers change, and, and yeah. I think everybody's like, where the heck is 47? He's 17 now.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think he needs to go back to 47. Because Maybe go 17. back, right. I don't even know who that yeah. is. Who that yeah. who, who, is? Who, who, who Craig, Craig, who? <laughs>
3: <laughs> and especially to you guys' earlier point, if unfortunately. Uh, Troy Anderson does go down, then you definitely need everybody around him to step up. So, yeah, we will see. We will be right there watching the Falcons football party. We'll check out the game just like you guys are going to be. We're going to be up early, 930 a.m. for that kickoff. I'll be in, and in then, London. Of course,
0: <laughs> yes.
3: Right. I'll oh, my God. Tor is yes. going across the pond. Love it. Love it. So <laughs> she'll be able to give us some really cool facts and some fascinating things uh, from when she's coming back on this other side of the pond. And, of course, you guys know we appreciate you stopping by the Falcons football party because, hey, this is the best football talk for the Falcons. But don't forget, we're also the home for the dog party, too. So stop by on Tuesday, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.